Welcome to the Collecting Wisdom podcast. Collecting Wisdom is a space where you'll find intimate conversations on life, yoga, philosophy, spirituality, healing, transformation, and what it's like to live on purpose. From those that I've personally met and have collected wisdom from on my own path as a teacher, a healer, and a guide for others. I'm Marissa Rose, and I will be your host on the Collecting Wisdom podcast. And I hope that you're able to soak up the wisdom that is shared in these episodes, that these words resonate with you, that they inspire you towards change, and that they encourage you and empower you in your own journey as a teacher, a healer, a coach, and a guide. Feel free to listen to this podcast when you're on a walk, cooking in your kitchen, one of my favorite places to listen to podcasts, or driving in your car on a road trip somewhere that you love. I'm excited to be here with you, and let's start this journey. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Collecting Wisdom podcast. It's been a couple of months and I've taken so much time to just slow down and get myself out to New Mexico where I'm currently living and make some shifts in my business and my life. And it feels so good to just be dropped back into these podcast episodes and these conversations with the guests that I get to have on here. And I know that today's episode is going to be really meaningful for so many of you that feel and have felt what we talk about in this episode today. So this episode's guest is an incredible yoga teacher. He teaches in Philadelphia. He teaches in Arizona. He is a relationship and life coach and an educator. And he is also going to be a part of the Well Studios 300 hour yoga teacher training. Um, Damodar and I had an incredible conversation around over-functioning in our society and really what it looks like so that you can identify if this is something that you feel has been a part of your state of being or your way of living. And not only do we talk about what overfunctioning is, but we really break down how to lovingly and compassionately move yourself into a new state of being away from this state of overfunctioning. And this is a conversation that I've been wanting to have for a couple of months, and it was perfect timing for Damodar and I to come together. And I am so honored to just sit and be in space with him for us to hold space for you and for you to be able to allow your spirit to listen, to learn and to grow. I am so excited to be back on the Collecting Wisdom podcast. It's been a minute. Um, I've been traveling and really sort of creating a new life and lifestyle for myself based on, you know, coming out of a season that honestly wasn't really working for me. And um, I am now sitting in New Mexico and recording from a studio space that I'm working out of from here. And I get to sit this morning with Damodar, who I've gotten to know actually from Philadelphia, but has lived a similar path, unique in its own way. Um, but there are many things that we've been able to connect on on in, you know, our careers and our motivations for our careers and how we want to support and help people in their own lives through yoga and conscious living and coaching. So I'm really honored to be sitting here with you. Damodar is actually going to be a part of our 300 hour teacher training, um, leading a few modules and really impactful um, lectures that I'm very excited to bring to our community. So it's incredible to start the morning here with you. And we're going to be having a tender conversation around um, over-functioning and how we may be playing a role in our own over-functioning. And what I really want um, us here to support you all in as listeners is really to identify how that might be happening for you in your own life and to learn to find and carve a way out of these patterns. Um, this is a part of my story and something that I feel really close to and really um, 
essential to teach on and to bring to you all in our community with the Well Studio. So thank you for being here this morning. And I'd love for you to just share with our community and listeners who you are, how you got here, what's lighting you up currently, just give it all to us. Yeah, thanks so much. First of all, I want to thank you for having me on the podcast. And I just feel really grateful for our connection and the uh, opportunity to be part of your training, a part of the 300 hour and just also stoked we can hang out here today and talk about some really important topics. Some of the topics that are probably dearest to my heart. And I really love the context, um, which will be a segue into who I am and what I do of like self growth work, and then some yoga ideas, uh, which I think will be really nourishing to hear kind of both of those things overlap. And that's kind of my world is uh, I've been a yoga teacher for, I don't know, 13 or 14 years for a, a fair amount of time. And uh, in that path of teaching yoga, I, uh, you know, I remember, I remember early on, I like had my schedule before I started teaching when I first started getting into yoga. And it was like, my schedule and then yoga here. Where, where can I fit a yoga class? I had a yoga class here, yoga class here. And it was like, I couldn't wait to get to the yoga class. And there seemed like there was such a divide in a way. It was part of my journey then, but it was a divide between like my life and going to yoga. It was like, and almost like, I just can't wait to get to this escape where everything's great of yoga. And then, you know, part of my journey was reckoning with like, wow, like yoga is actually asking of me to look at my whole life more holistically and look at every part of how I do life and yoga on the mat or going to a yoga class is actually asking me to like live in a yoga way. I would argue even more than just going to a yoga class. Like that's the practice, but the, you know, manifestation of it is changing my lifestyle. And so that kind of like reckoning when I was a little, like a wee tyke, which was not, like I wasn't very young. I was like in my thirties or, or 29 or something. <laughs> I started later, which by the way, to all you out there who start yoga at a later age, you can start it at any moment, which is so inspiring. It doesn't matter what your body is like, how well, any of that, how old you are. It's, it's, I love that about yoga, but uh, I started to reckon with that and reckoning with that really led me down a path of really getting interested in more of the philosophy behind yoga, more of the lifestyle practices around yoga, more of the rituals, I guess we could call them, especially things like chanting and meditation. Um, so that led me into really wanting to embrace all that yoga is, which is a, a high desire because yoga is so diverse. There's so many ways to practice yoga. And it led me into a path of going to India and studying bhakti yoga, which is the yoga of devotion. And really transforming my life in so many profound ways. I mean, it was, I could talk about that from the whole podcast. It was one of the most uh, tra- transformative times of my journey. And it really shook me uh, from some of my previous ways of looking at life and doing life. And at the same time, there was also a lot of things that I still like wasn't aware of. Um, you know, it was almost like, I was getting so into yoga and it was so powerful and inspiring. But I, I think when I'm really looking back, if I'm going to be like honest with myself, I brought some of my rat race into the yoga world, you know, and we're going to go into this today when I talk about the gunas in relation to the theme of the podcast. But so I, I, I started, and this came up in my relationship with my wife. Like I just assumed like, you know, I've been teaching yoga for a while. We, we, we had opened a yoga studio, was leading yoga teacher trainings, going leading retreats around the world. I mean, pretty amazing, like grateful to have that opportunity and also pretty like inspired by that journey and proud of it in a good way. Um, I just noticed like there was conflict in my relationship. I didn't realize it at the time, but I was burning out. I was overgiving of myself. And I started to say, like, wait a second here. Like, I have all this yoga wisdom, all these practices, but there's still some things that, like, I am, I'm not getting. And it took me a while to realize that because I was pretty stubborn. It took me a little while. I was like, oh, yeah, I, I know what's up. Like, I'm doing all this great, <laughs> you know. And, and I think that led me into my coaching work. That led me to be like, wait, I need to learn even more tools that 
sometimes the yoga process or say spirituality actually is having me bypass some of this. It's actually having me not even look at some of these other things. So I really wanted to create a bridge between all these great yoga ideas and practices with more self-growth, psychology, embodiment practices like that we know of, like of the modern age, and also relational ideas and relationship work, both relationship to myself and relationship to other people and, and the universe, the world. And so that really got me into where I'm at now, which is I basically teach and I do teacher trainings. That's the thing I love to do most is to teach specialty workshops and modules for trainings. And then I coach people. I coach couples, I coach individuals, and I really try to bridge some of the yoga wisdom that I study and practice with some of these transformational ideas and practices and frameworks for us to just do life better, to do a relationship better, to understand ourselves in the world a little bit more clearly. And I think the two really, yeah, they really um, go hand in hand. And one last thing is that, you know, the Bhagavad Gita talks about this, um, that crisis and grief is like such a boon. In the moment, it's not. In the moment, it's like, well, we're going to get into overfunctioning. It's like, I don't want to feel this. So I'm going to do something else that I usually do. So I don't have to feel it. But when we come into times in our life where there is loss, there is intense shift. It's not to say that we, it's okay that we want to ask for that or that like suffering is good, right? That we just want to like have ourselves suffer, others suffer. That's not, not the case, but in a more like universal way, if we can see the times in our life that there is crisis, which Arjuna did on the battlefield in the Bhagavad Gita, as a way to, 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 to reckon with who we are, right? As an opportunity. And that's like such a powerful thing that I have to remind myself of every day. And that happened for me, right? In my journey is... I was in some bad places at times. Um, I was not acting in a way that I would really want to show up in the world for myself and for my loved ones. And I, I tried to humble myself and say, okay, what, what, where am I being led here? Because my previous patterns of success or how I do things. I'm using air quotes. If, you, if there's a video, I'm not sure if there's a video here. Um, <laughs> we're, we're, we're not really working. And that's confronting because a part of me wanted to say, well, I don't care. I do things right. This is the way things should be. This is how I do it. This is, this has got me this far. And it had to validate it. Well, like I'm thankful for some of those patterns that I'm trying to move through and move out of and shift because they did get me to where I'm at. Like, that's a big self-compassion thing. Like, I'm not going to yeah. demonize them, which sometimes spirituality or yoga might do. Like, those mm -hmm. things are wrong and this is the right light pathway, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, so that that's sort of a, a little, um, yeah, a little summary. And, you know, the the crisis times for me to segue into our theme is like i noticed that i was overdoing things i was burning out i was work overworking and my body was shit telling me you are this is happening like so many illnesses small ones bigger ones and i was not listening at all. And this was in the middle of like running a yoga studio of doing all the things I listed before. So you'd think, well, Hey man, you're in the wellness world. You're, you're doing all this great stuff. What's your problem? Like, why can't you see this? That's why it was so interesting. And I realized that my over, over efforting my desire even to help other people, my attachment to that role and that responsibility, that over-attachment was leading to an imbalanced life. And furthermore, I realized that it was a way that I didn't have to face myself. 
I didn't have to face parts of my past, parts of my relational blueprints. I didn't have to face parts of my relationship with my beloved, with my partner. And I could assume that as long as I was in that pattern, that everything was good. Even though underneath of it, some things were falling apart, like literally my own body. Mm -hmm. I mean, even just talking about it now, I'm almost, I was thinking about the other day, like how much I betrayed my body. My body's wisdom. There's a book by um, Gabor Mate, who's a great author on, um, especially on trauma, but he writes around addiction. And his book is, you know, the body never lies. Like the body will show you. And I could not listen. And so I could keep on talking. I don't know if you want to ask me something or, 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 or I, point out something, but I can, you know, let me know. Well, I appreciate you opening up with your story. Um, I didn't know that. And I also deeply relate to that. And it's, I also appreciate you bringing in the Bhagavad Gita just because it's so personal to me because, um, you know, many people in our community know that, you know, I recently moved out of Philadelphia and a lot of um, my like deepest, darkest moments were, you know, in, in this state of over-functioning um, and being a leader of a wellness company and having to face my own um, body breaking down and my heart just knowing that something wasn't right, but not being able to identify it. And I will say that, you know, the modern world and philosophy was not helping me. And what did was coming to yoga philosophy. I remember Damodar and I connected because I actually stumbled upon his Bhagavad Gita four hour training that I signed up for. And, um, it slowly started to learn there's a way out of this. There, there has to be a way out of this. And for me, that was yoga working on me. Um, but I didn't really have language for it because I, I think in our society, overfunctioning is so normalized. And like you said, to the outside perspective, it looks like it's working. You know, it, it my, you know, the well studio was thriving. So many people were and are happy and have found their place and are healing. And that's amazing. And then also I had to look at myself and, you know, how am I feeling and what does my body need? And then lastly, you know, which we're going to touch on today is how do I play a role in that? And I remember on this journey of me getting out of my own over-functioning and healing, you know, I'm on a, 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 a deep, you know, herbal cleanse right now. I mean, I'm having to seriously take care of my body because I got myself to a place that was really unhealthy um, for my body and for myself. And I remember I was doing a Kundalini yoga class. I work one-on-one -on -one with a Kundalini yoga therapist and she gave me this Kriya and I, you know, you sit on the floor and you're like, you're like banging on the floor with your hands, like an animal. And I remember I did this Kriya for seven days. And the first day I was just like angry at the world. Like I was like, the world sucks. People suck. It's everybody else. And that like felt good. And then the next day I remember in the most loving and compassionate way, I realized, but I have played a role in this too. What have I done to myself and my body? And I, I, I just made a commitment that I, I will not live this way anymore. And, you know, I hope, and I know that, you know, our lives can be examples of that too, that I started making some radical changes in my life, um, to get out of that state of over-functioning. But I say that to say, I also relate. And for anybody that's listening, it can be really hard to identify because it is so normalized. Um, and it can feel really lonely and, you know, we're here to really provide, um, to shine light on it, which I needed in my own life for it to just come into the spotlight so that I could really work with it and heal it and make new conscious choices, which, you know, I've been doing and feel in a, a beautiful state of health and well-being right now. But it took some time and it, it took that personal responsibility as well. Like nobody's going to come in and save me and do this for me. Um, and to do it with love. And I'd love to focus on that too, which I know you will, you know, how do we love ourselves through these phases of our lives and through this process of growing through, through the journey of yoga too. So, yeah. So yeah. 
Yeah. I love your thoughts. Love yeah. And, and tell sharing. us about overfunctioning. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like we have some similar similarities in our journey, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, yoga really woke me up, but, mm-hmm. and I should say not, but, you know, I, I just took it and ran and that overfunctioning, um, ironically was something that was culturally affirming, you know, because we do mm-hmm. live in a world especially in the West, we'll say in America, United States, that that uh, holds overfunctioning as a very high value. And it's kind of, yes. it's pretty fucked up because yeah. it holds workaholism and overfunctioning as something that's really good. And, yeah. you know, some people I know might even go into like a conspiracy theory about that, right? Because like you're so busy that you can't really get to know yourself and heal yourself, right? And then you're going to f- try to fix that or cope with that through other ways that could be taken advantage of by a capitalist system. But yeah. I don't want to go there, but I'm just, I'm just kind of pinning that. I'm just pinning that. Like, you know, even if it's not a mass conspiracy, I think there's something to it. Uh, yes. And which is why this is also a radical gesture. I mean, radical in the best sense <sighs> to kind of yeah. like pull ourselves out of that matrix. Yes. And, you know, ironically, in my own journey, I got part of a spiritual tradition, which was about service. And I love the philosophy behind it. I mean, it, it's dear to my heart and I live it day to day. And it also capitalized off of overfunctioning because service is like, well, you have to do more. You have to show up. You have to, you have to hold keep space. You have to be, you know, which are all beautiful things, but without the tools and the, the understanding of what's really happening in a subtle way, it can be uh, really harming. And I see a lot of that actually um, happen in this spiritual community and some other spiritual communities. So that's also a thing, right? And I've had clients who have said, even from like a Western religious background, that they were taught early on, like they had to do, do, do for God or for, you know, there was a pressure. So I'm also going to pin that. Like there's also other cultural aspects that could be pressures to do for some greater good. But the overfunctioning that that happens is that, you know, men, and, and again, it's hard. It's hard, first, okay. First, you got to tease it out. Like if yeah. culture or maybe my religious background or, or both other things are saying, this is the way to be. First of all, it's like noticing that in our lives, noticing generally that all the things I'm picking my phone up, all the things that make our life easy that we're kind of in bed with are always asking of us to overdo, to do too much, to be too preoccupied, to not take space. That's number one. So that's happening to all of us in some big or subtle way. And number two is that if you're out there and you're listening to this podcast and you notice that you always feel like there's more that you have to give. You always feel like, um, okay, after I get done this, I got to get to this. You always feel like you might have the burden and you need to be the caretaker. You always feel like, or almost always feel like there's never an end, right? Like that, like the proving of your worth is, um, ongoing perpetual and it never ends mm-hmm. <laughs> right mm-hmm. so and that's you know the next awareness i'm just i think i'm just gonna break it down like this so the next awareness is like am i day-to-day waking up and feeling some of those things or am i feeling like i can't not not be busy is that what's happening and this is the key step and this is a yoga idea is to start to differentiate ourselves or disentangle ourselves from our from aspects of who we are, right? Because in yoga philosophy, there's an understanding that, that we, we are a soul or atma, and there's other names for it. And we have this experience in an embodied sense, in a body and a mind in this lifetime. So essentially, we are the body and the mind, but we're not. It's sort of, and we could, you know, could talk about that forever. But the the big part of this is like actually being able to separate ourself, big S self, 
from some of what we do. And not to say, well, I'm not that, but actually to create a new relationship with that. So if I can take time and separate myself and see, oh, wow, I'm actually kind of really tired all the time. Or, oh, wow, like my body is is feeling more sick or diseased than it has in I can remember. Oh, some of my relationships, maybe my relationship with my most important person, like for me, it was my partner, are actually not where I want them. If we can separate ourselves from these aspects of us, we can start to see them more clearly. And that's the sort of like getting out of the matrix. It's so hard to do that if that's all we know. And it's validated by society. And it's validated by our bank account, maybe. And it's validated by our community locally. I mean, for me, I got so much validation by overfunctioning. I mean, to this day, I, I still struggle with it. Like, mm -hmm. how do I tease out overfunctioning to get validation and being in healthy community? Mm -hmm. For me, it's very hard to do that. I need community. I need that validation. I need to serve. But I noticed that it was, it was like almost desperate, right? It was almost like I couldn't stop myself. And so that, that really separating ourselves and there's this um, style of like therapy called parts work, which I think is really awesome with this. And that basically means that like we start to see our true self as the soul, uh, as an infinitely like loving and compassionate wise or in yoga philosophy, Sat Chitananda, um, an eternal. And that self can bear witness to these patterns that we live out and maybe see them more clearly. And then secondly, view them with love and compassion. So what I started to say, practice was, oh, I noticed I'm doing those things. I didn't go, oh, I noticed I'm doing them. And what the fuck is wrong with you, man? Like mm -hmm. you suck. You, right. wh why are you killing yourself? Why is your relationship not going? No, I, I practice and still practice every, every day. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's a practice. I, so I practice. Okay, man, I, I'm getting to know you. My soul is saying this mm, to me. Yeah. And I'm getting to know like your past and why you're doing this. And, and I get it. Like it's, it's out of survival. It's out of a, a desire to be connected, to get love. I know that. And let's take a look at it together. Is this the best way? right now let's look at this you're not doing well physically you're you're overwhelmed you're burned out you're you're having issues with relationship so that's the biggest biggest step is to start to see that because most likely your over functioning is a way it's a a pattern that served me i'll speak for myself to get by it served me to survive it served me to feel alive and it goes all the way back to when I was young. And it's not, I'm not here to say everything about it. Cause you know, that's, that's for me and my therapist, but um, <laughs> it, it, it's, it goes. And so, so what happens, this process I'm talking about looking at it in society and then looking at ourselves and separating ourselves a little bit from our actions is that we can yes. start to track back the actions and have compassion. Mm -hmm. It's almost like looking at like a, a, a sports team, do a replay of a game. You're like, mm -hmm. oh, I see why I did that. I guess mm -hmm. it might have not been the best move, but I get it. What can I do next? Mm -hmm. Right? So I could start to really look back and see, oh, this is why I do this. And I see why it's helped me, but now I see why it's hurting me. Mm -hmm. And that's another part of overfunctioning is that it's so expert, that overdoing, that, that need to, to be of service all the time that almost physiological addiction to it, right? Because there is a physiological addiction to being in a state of overwhelm and overdoing. It actually in the body feels a little bit like excitement. So it's hard to actually suss out the difference between overwhelm and stress and being excited. Waking up and being like, okay, I have to go, I have to do. So that's another aspect is that it is physiologically addictive and most likely for all of us, I'm not going to speak to everyone's experience who's listening, but it is a mask in its way to survive. 
as I talked about a moment ago. It's a mask or a, a, a way to not see things that could be difficult, that could be confronting, that maybe our system feels threatened by or doesn't want to look at or pushes out sideways. The only issue is actually what I just said, is that those things will come out sideways. Like they'll, they want, our truth wants to be lived in all of its senses, the dark parts, the joyous parts, the losses, the gains, our truth needs to feel um, alive. And if we push it down, it will want to come out. I'm using my hands. I'm such an Italian American. I'm like, you know, it's, it wants to come out this way and that way. It, wa- it wants to come out even of your body mm-hmm. in terms of disease. It's like trying to show mm-hmm. itself. And over-functioning is like this, like pushing down, pushing down, pushing. It's, um, there's an analogy that a lot of uh, coaches that I use and therapists is like, it's like a, a ball in one of those like beach balls or I don't know, blow up balls in water. You know, you could push it down and push it down, but eventually it's going to like shoot out. And like, and with more force. So if you're, if you're noticing that in yourself, maybe that's my invitation is the first little step of the steps of this next step of the steps I've talked about is to notice, could there be something this over-functioning, this overdoing is like hiding, is covering up, is like allowing me not to see in myself. And maybe that's too much to ask. That's why this is hard is maybe to ask that is too much. But I would, I would say that that could be a good place to start just to wonder and be curious. Yeah. Just to say like, okay, like for me, one of the things that over-functioning um, tried to help because it was trying to help me. Sure. Mm-hmm. The parts work, they call them managers. It was a manager trying to manage my life so I could get by. And I was dealing with a lot of grief and loss. And it was so intense. And I felt like if I was with that grief and loss, I might like die. That's how much it, how intense it felt. Mm -hmm. So my over-functioning part said to me, okay, well, let's just keep doing things. Let's just keep doing what you did before. Keep going the the pace you did before, because then you're not even going to have the energy or the bandwidth or the space to look at this part of yourself. But as I said, with the, the ball pushing out from the water, the grief said, no, man, you know, the Bhagavad Gita is sometimes called the yoga of grief. Yo, man, no, you, you have to be with this. You have to be with this. And there might be other ways, right? We're talking about over-functioning, but something like grief, another way would be to zone out, like to use mm-hmm. alcohol or drugs to not feel it, right? Now, the interesting thing is like those things are more, well, I guess alcohol is accepted in society, but like over-abusing it is seen as wrong, but over-functioning is not. Mm-hmm. That's yes. the, a big thing. These other... Mm-hmm. Ways that we cover up ourselves or don't deal are often seen as bad, but certain ones over exercising, over functioning, and over exercising maybe could be part of over functioning, but it's a little less like other directed, like mm-hmm. serving others, and they're they're validated, you know. So it's like I had to be with that, and my yoga was saying. And this is where it came back to my yoga is saying, man, your yoga is asking you to be present. Like your yoga is really asking of you to be in what's called the sattva guna, uh, to be in presence, not to be in rajas guna, which is over-functioning, which is I just go and I go and I go so I don't have to be present. And it was begging of me. And I'm so like grateful that I've had like the tools and perspectives, what I, some of what I just talked about mm-hmm. to not just be like thrown in the, in the deep end, like, oh, you got to be with this grief, but to say, oh, I know that in being with what's uncomfortable, my destiny lies. Meaning 
I know the stuff, the muck, the hard stuff is going to galvanize me in some way, not just to heal myself and to be more balanced in my life, but, but to actually be of better service, to be of better aid to others. And that, that is like the faith of the Bhagavad Gita or the faith of the yogi is that in being present, even when it's tough, it's not only allowing me to see all of who I am, which is a beautiful thing as an embodied living being, but it's going to show me my destiny. I was thinking my destiny is in my pattern that I keep perpetuating. Not in the stuff I don't want to look at. That stuff is not me. I don't want to look at that crap. I don't, I don't, that's not my destiny. I can't, no way. I, that's not what I am, mm. right? Because it was confronting who I am. Mm-hmm. And that's where the overfunctioning is also, it's hard because it gets wrapped up in identity and attachment. Yes. You know, I got, I, I got wrapped up in the roles that I had, the leaderships that I had, the, 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 the kind of kickbacks I got from that, so to speak, you know, in a metaphor, like I got, I, I, that was me. And so I was confronted just like Arjuna on the battlefield of the Bhagavad Gita of like, who am I really? Mm-hmm. And, and right now my grief is saying, you're meant to go somewhere else and go deeper. You're not this, but I was so attached that I had to be, you know, I had to, to both be shaken by the grief and find some resource in my own life, like people to be of help in that journey. Yes. And that self accountability. Yeah. How do you feel people can start to do this, you know, to do this work? If they're, I believe, you know, the first step towards change is awareness, as you said so beautifully as well. And so, you know, we're kind of bringing it into the light. It's, it could be creating some awareness for people now. And I know for me, that can, that could, that was scary at first, like, holy shit, maybe I do identify with this. And then what does that mean? Just like you're saying now, what does that mean for me and about me and for my life? Um, And it can feel like two paths that you have to choose. And one feels a lot easier than the other um, because most of us are very uncomfortable with change. Um, And we both talked about in a gentle way, you know, I think our yoga practice and, you know, meditation and the spaces that you feel safe in can be a beautiful place to start. But can you tell us about the how, like, how does somebody start to unwind from, you know, this state of being that they might be in? Yeah, it's such a great question. And I do think, yeah, as I mentioned, awareness is, is the first step. And, you know, also like I teach this because I am a relationship coach, you know, our relationships are a mirror. Um, my, one of my, a couple of my relationships were, were a mirror to that. They, they were actually showing me. Um, and, you know, an, an edgier place would be like to even ask other people, you know, mm-hmm. Hey, yeah. um, when you, and this is humbling. Like, hey, like, how do you, how do you see, see me? You know, I remember, I remember a lot of my friends and people in my life would always say, oh, well, you know, I know you you don't have much time or I know you're always so busy. Mm -hmm. And that was a mirror Mm -hmm. because in a sense, yeah, I could be like, oh, I'm busy. Yeah. Like I'm doing shit. Oh, that's cool. But it actually made me think like, I was a little sad by it. I was like, oh, they feel like I'm actually not available to them. I'm here thinking I am doing all this stuff. But there's a disconnect because they're feeling like I'm not available, right? So that and is another curiosity is disconnects. Like, is there a disconnect with like your perception of what how you're showing up and what is actually happening? And I noticed that relationships tune to be into that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think from there, it's, you know, when I work with clients, I teach a lot. And this is what yoga helps us with is nervous system awareness. Like to start to notice in your day, and this makes it less, more objective. It's not about your pattern. It's not about what's good or bad or your path, your purpose. It's just more about your nervous system. Like how often do you feel at ease? How often do you feel 
present in the sense of you can be with someone or something fully without having to look forward or back. How often do you feel the opposite, which could be your nervous system at its uh, peak or at its most overwhelm? For me, I, I was living at the nervous system at overwhelm without even knowing I was. I, I didn't know. I just thought that's how you did it. And that goes all the way back to my parents and, and lots of other stuff because it's just what I was used to and society. But I didn't know. I mean, shit, I was teaching yoga and I was drinking like cappuccinos and lattes at like 7 p.m. Like every day to teach a class. Like that is not, I mean, and that's just like garden variety caffeine stuff, but that's not, and that ruined my gut. It, it was not good for my nervous system. It caused adrenal burnout. I mean, for years. Um, and I didn't know, I just thought this is what you do. I mean, everybody's getting their cappuccinos at 6 PM. Not really, but it just seemed that way. <laughs> so it just seemed normalized. Yeah. Right. And so mm -hmm. that's a big part is to notice. Mm. Yeah. And then if you're noticing or you can't notice, you're like, well, I don't know. I, I seem to just be me. I would invite the, the person, the listener to experience what it is like to feel the nervous system like as we would as you'd say in like polyvagal theory which is like down regulate like really have more space and really a, a lot less tension a lot ability to be in presence and it's a felt experience mm -hmm. and ironically my my partner was like inviting me into that and i was like no i'm too busy and that's why I say like relationships for mirrors. She knew that she, I needed that. And she yeah. also wanted it for us as a, as a sure. couple, but I was so caught up in, no, I got to go, got to do, which I guess could also be, you know, if we were speaking to um, those who identify as men on stereotypical gender roles, this also, I think can go into men being overdoers right? Yeah. Overfunctioning in their way. I'm being very like traditional gender roles, maybe like sure. men feeling mm -hmm. like they have to like go, go. And then also for women in traditional yeah. gender roles, but regardless of traditional gender roles, it's, it's, it's also like, you know, it's so important to like, just start to create more space and so you asked some tips after the next step would be like to fucking do nothing, like walk in nature and, and just walk in nature, not to hike it, not to get to a mountaintop, not to come up with like your next Dharma talk if you're a yoga teacher, not to like, you know, to just practice being like you're in New Mexico. I can see the light coming in, you know, in the Southwest, there's so much beautiful light, you know, uh, it's just. What, what, what would it be like if you just went outside and just sat in the light yeah. and then noticed the resistance and noticed if there was resistance, you know, it, there's so many aspects to this because over functioning, I talked about relationships. Some relationships are mirrors in the positive sense. And they say like, they're saying, they're telling us like, Hey, like you need to look at yourself maybe in a new way. And others perpetuate over-functioning, right? I have clients that I've worked with where the way they've gained, like I mentioned this myself in my community, the way I gained a lot of value was just trying to always over-function for other people. Do more than I need to do. And so that's another thing to tune into. And the irony of this is that when we over-function for other people, we think that we're we're gaining our own ability to be seen, to be validated. We're gaining, you know, a social currency. We feel good about ourselves, but sometimes we're actually disempowering other people by over-functioning because we're not allowing them yeah. to take their own steps. We're not allowing them to shine in their own way. We're not having the faith that they can move forward. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's so much here, but you know, I, I think, Noticing the nervous system, giving ourselves time to explore what would it be like in the nervous system that would be different. Mm -hmm. And then noticing the yeah. stories that come up in that. 
like I notice when I'm in a space where my nervous system can feel more open, which is a sattvic space. Sattva means the, the mode of goodness. It's the mode of presence in the guna system of yoga philosophy. Is that I, I start to feel it and then I notice the parts of myself that want to like say, no, you can't do this. You have to do this. You have to. So that's again, the noticing. Okay. I'm noticing that. Mm. And so I disentangle from being it. And my biggest self can say, all right, I notice that's happening. Mm-hmm. I know where it's coming from. We know it's, it's from a good place, but right now we also know it's not what serves your highest integrity. Remember that. Right. So that helps me be with that part of myself. And the more I'm with that part of myself in such a way, in a compassionate way, in a loving way, in an understanding way, that part of me might soon be like, hey, maybe I actually don't need to do this anymore. Maybe this energy could be freed up in a new way. Maybe I have a different role for you. And that's where, you know, we talked about this before, the kind of like faith in the process. But that's where like connecting to the pattern and becoming a more conscious relationship with it can free up the energy of the pattern. And that is beautiful because it, who knows what that could be employed into creativity, connection with loved ones, connection with your own self in new ways that, that start to bring up uh, purpose and, and ideas. It's, it's very generative, but it, it takes all the steps we talked about to start to get there because the pattern is if we don't have a better relationship with it and awareness and tools, it keeps asking of us, pulling us like tug, tugging at our coattails, like Mm -hmm. a little kid, like, no, this is what's right. No, this is what's right. And this is what reminds me of like the idea of some scars, which is basically neuroscience. You know, there's some scars in yoga philosophy. So it actually like our habits are can be reprinted like they are not us the habits of the body mind can be reprinted like a new record and that is true over time over time over time those things become minimal and when they still come up because they might always be there we have all the tools that i just talked about to deal with them we have people in our lives who can hold us accountable you know that's why i do coaching because i'm there to gently and supportively hold people accountable We have loved ones in our lives to hold us accountable. We have community even, mm-hmm. right? Maybe we share this with our community and, and you say, hey, this is what happens. I think they're there to hold us. Mm-hmm. We have the ability to notice what it's like when, when it feels different and really feel it. Wow, that, uh, this feels so different than when I'm over-functioning. Notice how relationships show up differently. And then we also have like the, the, you know, the yoga wisdom practice. And we have this idea of relating to ourself. And I think the next thing I'll just speak of, because I'm talking for a while, but it's just coming up is, is creating the boundaries, right? Yeah. Boundary work is such a big like word or a hip a topic, but it's so important to, with that understanding of this pattern compassionately mm-hmm. to know, oh, in this scenario, most likely the pattern is going to come out strong. Yeah. And that might mean, it might mean some relationships, we kind of create more boundaries around. We don't overindulge in them as much. It might mean certain types of work we don't. It might mean even certain types of food. Like I mentioned caffeine or things that like overactivate the nervous system. Mm-hmm. And so those boundaries can also help you have the lived experience of what it's like to not be in that state. And kind of help that kid pulling at our coattail to be a little calm and not be so ready to go into that place. Yeah. And you and you out there, you can all do that in your life. I mean, it takes, it can take a couple steps, but it can be very powerful just to dip in and say, I notice this happens a lot here. I notice where my nervous system is. I know the stories about myself. And I'm actually going to create a new way of negotiating it um and just know that boundaries are they're flexible you know they're not meant to be in place forever sometimes we need a certain boundary in our life just like a plant does to grow 
Yeah, that's really beautiful and well said. And um, I know my experience, um, it really was giving myself space that that was physically, mentally, emotionally, um, taking a break from teaching. Um, for me, it ended up, you know, being a move to put myself in an environment that felt more spacious for myself and tending to my nervous system were huge and paramount for me. Just, um, you know, I think the question is sometimes in this situation, because we are talking about overfunctioning. It, yeah, it's not what can you do. It's often what actually do you need to not do? Yeah, I mean, for me so. during that season, as I was healing um, to get myself to this space that I'm in now, um, I I wasn't able to work out like I, I did before. And that was hard for me. I, I love my practices and I love getting my ass kicked. And, you know, a lot of it was laying around and just letting myself, you know, be nourished, be held by myself, by others opening up, sharing about these tendencies, asking for support, saying, I'm not going to do things the way that I used to do them before. I know I used to be this way, but I can no longer show up in that way. And um, it's brave work. It's really brave work. And for anyone that's listening, um, you know, I think it was so beautiful that you painted the picture, Damodar, of what is on the other side of this, because it can feel like this is just yeah. who I am. I, I just am somebody that overfunctions. And you mentioned some scars you are able to change. You are able to change and to be so loving and compassionate and kind with yourself and to have your community and your people that reflect that back to you, holding space for you as you give yourself space, as you tend to your nervous system, as you go against a lot of what society is showing you and telling you that you need and you really just tune into self, which is where I feel the practice of yoga and the lifestyle of yoga comes in is it always brings me back to self, uh, to what I know that I need, which is often conflicting with what I feel like my eyes yeah. in this like 3D world are telling me that I need. Um, and so, you know, I, I hope that as, you know, a listener and someone that has probably been a part of, you know, what we've been doing here at the well that, you know, you have hope and that this gives you courage to make changes that I know will make your life so beautiful. Um, because you know, these are, this is the path that I've been walking and it sounds like you as well. Um, yeah. I love what you're saying. I love the tending to the nervous system is so mm -hmm. important. Like, like if anybody mm -hmm. wants a phrase to take away, that's also something to really keep in in the mind and in the heart. Like how can I tend to my nervous system today? And then, and then you also know that you mentioned the the kind of inner wisdom of our heart. So, like you mentioned, this this could be challenging. It could be like yeah. a question, like who am I? I thought I was this, and that's yeah. the intensity of it. But the beauty of it is getting more in touch with your your inner wisdom. You you know, listener, mm -hmm. like you you know deep inside, and. And there is like a beautiful strength here too, right? It sounds like the nervous system tending to it, creating more space. It sounds so like, oh, like easeful, but there's a strength. It's like Thera and Sukha. Mm -hmm. It's like there's a strength that you're gaining here to follow that inner wisdom. And whatever your like spiritual background is, the universe, the divine, whatever you want to call it, sees that in you. And wants that to come forward is your advocate for that space to come forward and blossom into the world. It does take a reckoning and maybe a dark night of the soul, but the universe, the divine, uh, and then again, hopefully the community in your life wants that for you. Mm -hmm. And the final part of that is that it, life becomes so magical and mysterious. Mm -hmm. right the pattern that we had is like proven and that's why we want to keep it <laughs> but when we see that we are not that and that we are always being asked to dance with our authenticity and wisdom as we unfold in time in the one lifetime there is a adventure that can unfold that you and i we don't even know yet it's like Mm -hmm. It's an adventure. I'm, I tell you 100% money back guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs>
but seriously, it's 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 there is an adventure, and your story, yes, is there yes. to be uh, to unfold, and that's exciting. So maybe that can be a resource for you too. Like when you're reckoning with like shifting a pattern that seems like such a default, and has maybe mm-hmm. given you so many paybacks. Know that there is so much more mystery and beauty and possibility on the other side. It does take a little humbling to uh, to to bring mm. it into our life. Yeah. Oh, it's so beautiful! It's so beautiful because in this state that I'm in now of health and well being, I am experiencing so much mystery, and it excites me. And it used to terrify me, and I'm so comfortable now with the mystery. I'm like, oh, let's just keep that a mystery. Like there are things <laughs> I'm like, I could look into that or force it or do the thing. And I'm like, let's just keep it a mystery. And life has been feeling like an adventure. So I, I I love love that you just took us there. Um, well, I, I could talk to you about this forever. I could listen to you speak forever. I am hopefully listener. You (laughs) feel that as well, that I think Domodar could sit here and talk for a long time about many different things. I definitely Um, could talk for a long time. That's a gift of (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Probably makes you an amazing trainer too, uh, because we need that gift. Um, But I am so excited to continue these conversations. Um, As I mentioned earlier, Domodar is going to be involved in the 300 hour teacher training. So if you are a yoga teacher, um, you can look forward to many conversations on the floor of the well studio and the comfort of your own home throughout this 300 hour teacher training. Um, Domodar is going to be actually lecturing on the history and lineage of yoga, the Bhagavad Gita. He's going to go into a deep, deep conversation about that. Um, the gods and goddesses of yoga, storytelling and theming, and also conscious communication. Um, so I really look forward to more conversations. I would love for you to share with us, you know, where you are now and how people can stay involved with you. I know that you have an incredible podcast. So um, how can our listeners and our community just stay connected with you? Yeah, I appreciate the invitation. And I, again, I'm looking forward to being part of the community and serving at the 300 hour. Really looking mm-hmm. forward to that. Yeah, I have a podcast, the Empower Connection podcast. And it is, uh, the tagline is, it's kind of what I do in my in my life is, to empower people to connect deep, more deeply to themselves, to, get, to connect more deeply and authentically to others, and to connect to something greater. Uh, it's a podcast about relational growth, relational tools and tips, self-growth, self-empowerment, and yoga wisdom, spiritual ideas. And I do a lot of coaching work. So if you're someone who you're moving through something like this, like trying to mm-hmm. perhaps shift your pattern, shift your life, I am there as kind of a lot of the things we talked about, right? As a resource, as someone to hear your story and listen with compassion, someone who's there to hold you accountable to shift and grow with uh, compassion uh, and so much more and teach tools and tips and go deeper into your unique journey um, as a couple, uh, you work with couples or uh, as an individual. So that's a big part of what I do. And yeah, I'm teaching here and there. Uh, Sometimes Mm -hmm. I teach in Philadelphia, and um, if you're in the Philly area on the South side, South Philly, mm-hmm. and I teach in Arizona and just, yeah, I just, I will be around doing workshops all the time. So if you're yes. around, I just, just check it out. Uh, all my info is usually on my website. Um, yeah. 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 Please check out his um, workshops, classes, especially if you're in Philly, I appreciate that you do some things online as well. Um and yeah, we're just, we're honored and excited to have you as a part of our community. Um, can you share your Instagram and website with us? Yeah, totally. My Instagram is at empowerconnection.me. And I usually post quite a bit, um, but that's also something that I overfunction with. So I'm also reckoning with my relationship to Instagram. <laughs> love it, love it. <laughs> but I do love to share uh, tools and tips on a regular basis. So mm-hmm. it's a great resource. And my website's also empoweredconnection.me. So same as the Instagram. Beautiful. Thank you. We'll share that all in the show notes. Um, Yeah, Domodar, it will not be the last conversation. So we will be back in and out. Go listen to his podcast. Go take his classes. Um, We love you all so much. And thank you for listening. Thanks, Marissa. 
I absolutely love hearing from each of you in my DMs after you listen to these episodes. And I'd love to hear how these conversations are landing for you. What's resonating, the changes that you're making, anything else that you're curious about that we may have mentioned. So send me a message on Instagram at Marissa Rose Nash and let's connect. There are so many ways to stay connected with this work that we're doing through the Well Studio. And I want to just give you a little peek into what's happening in 2024. In January, our 300-hour yoga teacher training begins with a weekend intensive at the Well Studio in Philadelphia. And this training is a six-month container for yoga teachers. This training is held virtually with me. It is also held in Philadelphia, and we will be ending our training with a four-day intensive in New Mexico. So you can check out all the details at marissarosenash.com. If you're a female leader in the well-being industry, I'd love to invite you into the pathway, which is my nine-month mastermind immersion that I lead every year for female CEOs in the well-being industry. This is a supportive container for you to receive guidance and support from me in order to create more meaningful work in the world and to scale your wellness company in a sustainable way. And then in May, our 200 hour yoga teacher training starts. And this one is going to be held both virtually and in our studio in Philadelphia. We will have four weekend intensives in this yoga teacher training, which will be led by myself and a team of incredible teachers who will all be guiding you in how to become a yoga teacher. All of the details for all of our offerings that we offer at the Well Studio are found at www.marissarosenash.com and www.thewellstudio.org. I will see you in our next episode.